Join culture creator Ramel Wallace, museum CEO Micah Parson, philanthropist Erwin Jacobs, and urban agriculturist Diane Moss on season two of Stop and Talk, a podcast about the future of the San Diego region. How can we create a vibrant region that celebrates our cultural richness and economic strength? Find out and hear other San Diego experts on Stop and Talk. Discover seasons one and two now at stopandtalkpodcast.com. That's stopandtalkpodcast.com. This podcast is brought to you in part by the estate of Bob Nelson. Bob was a lover of all things San Diego and a longtime supporter of Voice of San Diego and its podcasts. We at Voice of San Diego are honored to have his support during his lifetime and continued support through his estate planning. Are you passionate about resolving conflicts and making positive impact in the world? Then USD's Conflict Management and Resolution Master's program may be for you. Learn to address conflicts at all levels, from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Kroc School's dedicated community fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. That's sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. Welcome to the Voice of San Diego podcast in partnership with News Radio 600 Kogo. I'm Andrea Lopez Vifania, managing editor at Voice of San Diego. This week, we're talking to San Diego's newest county supervisor, Monica Montgomery Stepp. In early December, Monica cast her final vote on the San Diego City Council, where she represented District 4. She voted to keep Sean Elo Rivera as council president. Her vote was critical as it ended up being a 5 to 4 split. She left that seat behind, was sworn in as the county's first black female supervisor, and cast a big vote on SB 43. That's a new state law that expands conservatorship. It's a thorny issue with big impact on the region's homelessness and substance abuse crises. So I got her in the studio to talk about those big votes, her time in the city council, and what she wants to do as supervisor. Here's me and Supervisor Monica Montgomery Stepp. But real quick, you can support Voice right now. It's a critical time. We earn a big chunk of our annual income during this time of year. We're aiming for $250,000 by December 31st. Give now at VOSD.org slash community. That's VOSD.org slash community. And thanks. I watched the city council meeting on Monday. Mm -hmm. And then on Tuesday, I was like, I have to watch this. Yeah. And... I saw you get sworn in. It's a wild week. It was a wild <laughs> week. It was an amazing week. Uh-huh. Um, I feel okay. Um, you know, treading mm-hmm. above water a bit right now. I'm still going through a transition because, you know, from the date of the election until the swearing in, it was less than a month for a transition. So mm-hmm. the whole thing was a whirlwind, but then also you have to do the, governing part and you Mm -hmm. really have to set yourself up to do that part well so we're still going through that you know thankfully we're entering the holiday season we will use that time to get our feet under the ground but still feeling good it's just been an amazing ride and um, I'm really looking forward to you know what we can do at the county Mm -hmm. 
what does that transition look like? I mean, I've never had an opportunity to speak with someone who's like transitioning from, you know, one role to another like that. Yeah. So um, in this situation, we are the district for the city council district for seat is now vacant, Mm -hmm. but the people are still there. So they still need constituency services. They still need to be served. Mm -hmm. So you have to have a staff that's still there. So we um, had to appoint a chief of staff there. Mm. And then also some of our folks moved over to the county. And so we still have to, you have additional staff at the county more Mm. than you have as a city council member. So we also have to put the team together and, you know, putting a team together is tough because you want to cover all sides Mm -hmm. of all the communities, all the issues, you know, and so, and then you want people to work well together because that's really what makes it. I will just speak for myself. That is what has made me successful in these last five years. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really just been, uh, of course, having a leader, but a team effort. And so carrying that, sentiment over to the county is super important so transition is is tough Mm -hmm. but it's also very exciting you know you get to to you know incorporate new ideas um it's it's an exciting time but it is it is tough I feel you know kind of stretched yeah uh, uh, between two places even when you start a new job you're sort of in this you know training kind Mm -hmm. of mode and Mm -hmm. you're learning how things are maybe your first day at work is pretty calm you're just uh getting access to your email and having lunch with so and so like nope that was nope. not your first day at all <laughs> at all that was not the first day we were there at 9 in the morning i think we left at like 10 at night oh wow uh like 34 different things on the agenda mm-hmm. um so no that was not our first uh, day um, but you know thankfully because i've served in the capacity as mm-hmm. an elected official on a legislative body, like, you know, you can kind of make your way through, right? Yeah. Um, so it was good. You know, you and I have um, talked about this and we chatted a little during the the campaign for mm-hmm. um, the supervisor seat. Looking back, you know, it seems like throughout your career, you've had these moments where um, you've had to make a decision like, it's me or it's, you know, something else. Like I am going to run against my former boss and the incumbent, you know, and that must have not been an easy decision, but it seemed like it was something that you felt very passionate about. Um, And then again, there's a situation where no one expected what happened to have happened. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of like faced with this moment of like, I need to make a decision. Yeah. And what was that decision like for you? And you're right. Like um, it goes back to what you're saying, like, normally people have a day or two at least to get, (laughs) you know, the decisions that I've made really have not allowed for that Mm -hmm. uh, in these last five years. So yeah, going back to my decision about city council, it really was um, understanding that I had run before, right? Mm -hmm. There's the first time that I ran, I came in nine out of nine, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, did horribly because I knew what the community needed, but there's also just the political reality of yeah. when you are running a campaign, you what have to engage. I think it was 2013. Uh-huh. And then then I went on to work at the city as a uh-huh. staffer after that, right? Um, for Todd Gloria. Mm-hmm. So yes, that decision was really, really tough. Mm-hmm. It was really, it was a hard decision. But once I made it, I knew that I had to push forward really hard, right? Mm-hmm. 
And so this decision about running for the Board of Supervisors um, was different in that it came really unexpectedly. Yeah. You know, it was always in the back of my mind because we knew that um, Nathan was going to run for state senator. We, you know, we Mm -hmm. all knew that. So we knew at some point there would be a vacant seat at the Board of Supervisors that um, would be out of the rotation of when that election is normally supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. Actually. Yes. No. So, yes. So that, that was a thing, right? It was eclipsed. Knew it, but even then I, I didn't know if I, if that's the path that I yes. wanted to take. Yeah. But when things happen so abruptly um, mm-hmm. with this seat and that it was suddenly vacated, um, I had to really start thinking about some of the things that I worked on at the city Mm-hmm. And how the, I had faced quite a few barriers because I was really trying to build almost like trying to build an infrastructure for social services because mm-hmm. I understood that our work um, and the the communities, a lot of the communities that we served really needed more than what we were had the infrastructure to give them at the city. Mm-hmm. So as, as I was walking through that process and also like just hearing from community members a lot and then thinking about the service that had I had already given, you know, to to the region, I decided to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided to do it at that point. So the decision was a tough one because, of course, now we have a vacant seat in the city council district. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I think it was also the right one um, mm-hmm. because I'm able to do so many more of the things that I actually want to do for our communities. Yeah. What were some of those barriers to things that you wanted to do so the county has infrastructure for health and human services Mm -hmm. for people who are in foster care right um people who need mental health services all of those things that you know in a collaborative effort um the city has to 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 work with the county on those things. But like the majority of the decisions at the city are land use decisions, right? Mm-hmm. So we were we were bringing, for example, No Shots Fired program that I championed um, that involved a partnership with uh, what we call violence interrupters and uh, the San Diego Police Department mm-hmm. to quell uh, gang violence in our communities, right? Very successful program. Um, first year really up and running that we were able to uh, get the data. Um, it, we saw those gang homicides decrease by 65%. Um, very successful. But that program also required uh, wraparound services. Mm. So it required social services for people who were involved in the program. Okay. And so the city doesn't have the infrastructure for that type of thing. We can do some of those things, but the county is so um, much more equipped Mm-hmm. to provide those types of services. So that's just one example. And I think um, I can certainly broaden those types of programs, not only because of the infrastructure at the county, but also mm-hmm. because the the role of the of a supervisor mm-hmm. is, is, is a very vast role. Right. And what the so. county oversees and what it's used. It is like that's what it does, health and human service. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, you know, part of the decision making process. For mm-hmm. me. But that yeah. No Shots Fired program, could you explain a little how it worked and to be a participant? Yeah, no, absolutely. So we did. We partnered with the police department and we and also South Bay Community Services, mm-hmm. which served um, 
as a conduit for some of our violence interrupters. Um, and what they did was use, you know, uh, they're out in the community quite a bit. So they were able to really um, be proactive around community violence as opposed to just reacting when a shooting or uh, another incident occurred. Mm -hmm. And so really that was their role is, to, you know, they're part of the community. So they were able to have a lot more influence and to be able to speak to people where they are. Right. Which I think has been a disconnect, um, especially, you know, with police departments. You know, it's a very reactive place that they have to be in, that the officers have to be in. But we can provide community-based solutions that uh, allow us to be proactive and that are actually a lot cheaper uh, and, and, and do very, very well in reducing violence in our communities if given resources and given mm -hmm. the opportunity. Mm-hmm. But it lacked yeah. the wraparound services that also. Well, we were able to incorporate that. But again, we faced barriers. Mm -hmm. You know, we faced we faced quite a few barriers with that. Mm -hmm. um, and so we we can do things on a broader scale at the county, right. um, you know, with less friction. And looking back at your you know time in council, what would you say are some of those some of your proudest moments and things that you were able to accomplish in your time there? I think a shift in like mentality mm -hmm. around what it means to serve communities that have not been served properly mm -hmm. and for people to actually um, um, encourage that and welcome that as opposed to run away from it. Mm. I think that's the impact that we made. Mm hmm that, you know, everyone in San Diego has a voice and voices of people who have not been served the way that they should have been served are just as legitimate and credible as those who have always been around and gotten the things that they wanted or needed mm -hmm. from government. And so changing that mentality really had an impact on um, how people were served mm -hmm. and how much their voice was included. And so I think above all, that is really important. And when we think about city services now, you know, we have a whole, a whole equitable framework for mm -hmm. budgeting. You know, it's early, of course, you know, it needs improvement, right? But it's there. And yeah. I had been at the city uh, since 2013. We had never even touched equity when, when it comes to budgeting. We never talked about it. We, we had never included that term and then defined the term so that everybody was on the same page mm -hmm. about it, what it actually means. So switching that and changing that around is, I think, um a legacy part for me mm -hmm. what I think hopefully it will continue even though I'm not there and then of course the commission on police practices and setting that up to be independent really going through a lot of of process to get it where it needs to be mm -hmm. it's important um, the black arts and culture district like designating that based on you know dreams of people that came before me mm -hmm. 
and uh, and having a place where the black community in San Diego can um, memorialize its contributions to San Diego. Huge deal. Right. Yeah. I'll be working on that forever. <laughs> so um, that was that was a pretty cool thing. But mostly just the mentality of, you know, people the change the change. Yeah. The shift. Who were the individuals who had to shift their mindset or the body or it was it the entire city? Was it the city council? I think it was, of course, you know, staff members, just because they we have to be open to thinking about things differently. Mm-hmm. And just having a good relationship with a lot of folks that work for the city and at the city who are public servants that have, you know, dedicated their lives to this. Um, same thing with the county. Um, mm-hmm. Just making sure that they can can see things and how they have contributed to, you know, the state of the city a lot. We had a lot of district four city council district four residents that uh, worked for the city. Mm. So they understood. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm sure that's the same for the, the county district four, yeah. the people that serve us, you know, and giving them the things that they need and the tools that they need to make sure that everyone gets the service that they deserve throughout the region. Mm-hmm. That's very, very, very important. But, you know, there's a bureaucracy and there are also people that have controlled San Diego, you know, outside of that government structure. Mm. Um, We always pushed against that, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and not always loudly. Right. But we pushed against that there. There's a shift that happened, especially um, after uh, or during COVID. Mm -hmm. It was a shift and we were right in the middle of that. And, you know, I had a choice, you know, to go forward and maybe um, experience uh, some pushback and also being left out of certain conversations, but trying to do the right thing or to stay with the status quo. And I've always said that I was there to go against the status quo. Mm -hmm. And that's what we did. This was during COVID. During COVID. But, you know, my race for my first race for city council is going against the status quo. It's what I've always done. But mm-hmm. during COVID, the decision to to continue that, mm-hmm. you know, to push people to think differently. That's just, you know, what we what I, I think what I was there for. Yeah. It's not easy. No. For sure. It's not. <laughs> a lot of a lot of a lot of things working against that. So yeah, yeah. What were you mentioned? There's people control controls outside of city or things controls. What are those things? <laughs> I have to ask. Yeah, I know you do. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, I I want to continue to do this work. Uh huh. <laughs> um, and I also just I know the words that I say can be perceived. Yes. <laughs> in a different way that in and out of context, right? All I'm saying is that a, here in San Diego, across the nation, there was a shift in how we do government. Mm-hmm. And there was a a push to listen to community voices more. And I hope that I 
took up the challenge to bring more people into the fold. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, what my whole goal has been in entering elected office. As an outsider, right, listening and hearing that, I think naturally in in our heads sometimes, especially because I covered um, when I worked at the UT, when I uh, worked as a community reporter and I covered, um, well, I technically was supposed to cover all the neighborhoods in the city mm -hmm. of San Diego, but I made a point to cover specific districts because mm -hmm. I had seen the coverage that was done of those areas and neighborhoods. And um, I thought there was more to them because mm -hmm. I lived in some of them. But, you know, talking to residents and the reality of what life is like in certain communities, uh, not having sidewalks, not having streetlights, um, you know, having really dangerous roads and like really struggling to just get one frickin stop sign. Mm -hmm. um, it is just it's almost unbelievable, but not to hear that, you know, equity or that these conversations weren't already happening, mm -hmm. but it mm -hmm. makes sense. I mean, I guess that's the world we live in. Well, at least it's brought up to the surface now. Yeah. Voices of people who have not been, who have been underserved count just as much as every other voice. Mm -hmm. And those quality of life issues that a lot of people in San Diego take for granted are lacking in some of our neighborhoods. Yeah. And so we just, we continue to, br to bring that up and put a spotlight on it because that's how we, I think that's how we should judge ourselves. You know, um, if not everyone has access to, you know, roads, mm -hmm. uh, stop signs, whatever it is, the, the simplest of things, then what are we doing really? Mm -hmm. But and on the county side, if not everyone has access to the care that they need, you know, if we're looking at our jails and uh, the the travesty and everything that's happening within them, um, that's I think how we need to we need to be motivated mm -hmm. by doing what we say we're going to do and being who we say that we are. Mm -hmm. What were some of the biggest lessons learned? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm sure there were many. <laughs> you know, I, I think one of the, the lessons is that we can fight for the things that we hold near and dear to us. Mm -hmm. We can keep our values and still treat those who don't hold those values with respect. Mm -hmm. I think that's very, very, very important. So, and that is a daily practice, <laughs> um, I think, for me, being a, an elected official. Another thing for me is just being intentional about what those values are mm -hmm. every single day. Because, because I did communicate with a lot of people that thought differently than me. Um, and it's important to hold to your own values. And only you can do that. Like, no one else can do that for you. Yeah. Um, so that's 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 super, super important and and not as easy as it sounds. So I do want to get, um, you know, obviously I want to talk about the things that you're looking forward to in um, your supervisor role. Yeah. And, you know, obviously you had a very big first day, but I want to go back to your last day. That was a big vote. Mm -hmm. 
uh, city council was voting on the council president mm-hmm. role. And um, you stayed there for that vote. Mm-hmm. Why was it important for you to be a part of that vote? I mean, I wanted to be there till the very last day I could from my community. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this was an, an abrupt transition. Yeah. And so there's, there is a lot of angst in the city council district, you know, about what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to make sure that, of course, you know, that's the way that the city lays it out, that the council president will, you know, have to oversee the vacant seat. Mm. And that that relationship is very, very important to ensure that for the time that the seat is vacant, that the residents of the city council district will, you know, be heard. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize if, that. I didn't know mm-hmm. that they did that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, we appoint certain positions within the office. Mm-hmm. There are people there to handle constituency services. The seat is vacant, so there is no vote from District 4. Um, but there is a structure to where the council president has a responsibility now mm. to the seat. So um, that's it was very important for you know me to be there and have a say for the community and who that person is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was glad to do it. And it, you know, it was kind of an ugly meeting. Uh, I did not expect that. Um, you know, even there was even some name calling. I was called a minion, which that's the first time that's happened in my whole <laughs> life. Uh, <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. But, you know, um, I think it's the best thing for the city council district that I have now, you know, and representing not in the same way. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm still representing that district, but I'm also representing, you know, 500,000 other people. Other people. Yeah. And so. Um, I wanted to be there until the last day to make sure that that representation was strong. Yeah, Yeah, that meeting was, I had it on in the background Mm -hmm. and it stopped me. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, it's that type of meeting. Okay, I'm going to listen. I'm going to really listen. And um, to me, I've, you know, I admit like I've never really you know, oh, I'm going to mark on my calendar when they're going to vote for the next council president mm-hmm. as a community reporter. Mm-hmm. You know, now in this role, I play closer attention to the mm-hmm. sorts of things. But is that like usual where they, you know, where a certain group of council members express discontent with the leadership, but they don't provide an alternative? Um, or did they? I don't remember that they did, but I thought that was strange. And I, but I thought it was strange, but I wasn't sure if that was like usual that no other name is thrown out there. You know, I'm trying to think back uh-huh. because there have been, you know, contentious council presidency <laughs> votes. Now, in the way that it played out, you know, with um, the the way that the discontent was mm-hmm. expressed, I don't think I've quite ever experienced that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they, they, you know, folks said what they had to say. I said what I needed felt I needed to say. Yeah. You know, uh certainly don't don't want to rehash a bunch of that. Mm-hmm. Um but the vote went the way that it did. Mm-hmm. Um and you know we'll see how the 4-4 goes over there. Yeah. I'm I'm curious. I mean tomorrow they've got a big well this will publish later, but 
you know, we've got a big vote coming up. Mm-hmm. And I'm just very curious how things will go. <laughs> yeah, it, it'll be interesting. Be you watching. know, hopefully there are a lot of things that we all agreed on mm-hmm. quite a bit. You know, there are a lot of decisions that were 9-0 votes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, hopefully the, I'm sure that they will still get the city's business done. Yeah. This is my last piece. And then we move on to supervisor. Okay. And you do what you want to do. Okay. But, um, there was a moment where you said something. Okay. That what stuck with me. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> we have the clip. We'll play it for you. Okay. And I'll ask you a question after we play the clip. I have pushed this council to actually own its authority. And I think what is at the foundation of these issues is that we have some council members that are willing to do that, and we have some who are not. We have some who, at different points in time, take direction from those who are not on the council. My question is, who do you think they take direction from? (laughs) My goodness. It's the follow-up. I I know. I will tell tell you that I... um, I have, I consider um, each person that is a council member now, you know, at definitely at one time or another, it's a hard job. And um, I appreciate e- each and every one of them. And, and I also don't want to, from the supervisor seat, impact or influence, especially negatively, you know, the decisions they have to make moving forward. Mm-hmm. That being said, you know, I needed to, say what I said on on the dais because I think there is a difference between just just sincerely not liking someone and not being not you know being voting with them and sharing different values and a power structure and power struggle mm-hmm. and that was in my mind what played out at that council meeting I am not discrediting anyone's experience Mm -hmm. at all. But if you recall, when I made a bid for council president, my argument was that this council needs to be a strong council and that it is the mayor's job to do implementation. Mm -hmm. It is the city attorney's job to advise on the law and it is the council's job to legislate Mm -hmm. that should be our identity and there should not be influence uh, from anyone, the mayor, city attorney, lobbyist, when it comes to our decisions to legislate what is good for the city. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, there are checks and balances in every realm of government, everyone. And if there is a breakdown in one of those checks or balances, then the government structure is off kilter. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's a difference in opinion and what legislating actually means. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I expressed and said what I did. Mm -hmm. Because it should not have turned into a high school, I don't like you session. This is this, each one of us represented at that time and now eight people represent 160,000 people per district. Mm-hmm. So that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. 
And it's extremely important. And as I said, those are there are some that are really willing to push and use that authority. And there's some that are not. And so I wanted to kind of level set because mm-hmm. it was getting, I think, off of the subject yeah. of what it was supposed to be. And again, everyone has a right to their own experience and to express that however they want to. Mm-hmm. It's never been my issue. But since day one, no matter who was the attorney, who was the city attorney, uh, or who was the mayor, I have pushed for the council to take its place yeah. in that structure. And I did it until the day, my last day. <laughs> I did it until my last day as a council member to urge the city council to take its place mm-hmm. and to take its authority. And so now we can move on to the county. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the county. We're going to do a quick break. Stay with us. Are you passionate about resolving conflicts and making positive impact in the world? Then USD's Conflict Management and Resolution Master's program may be for you. Learn to address conflicts at all levels, from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Croc School's dedicated community, fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. That's sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. Join culture creator Ramel Wallace, museum CEO Micah Parson, philanthropist Erwin Jacobs, and urban agriculturist Diane Moss on season two of Stop and Talk, a podcast about the future of the San Diego region. How can we create a vibrant region that celebrates our cultural richness and economic strength? Find out and hear other San Diego experts on Stop and Talk. Discover seasons one and two now at stopandtalkpodcast.com. That's stopandtalkpodcast.com. So you went from having like a big last day to having a big first day. Yes. And um, one of the votes that we have been paying attention to and been following um, was the discussion on SB 43. It is the state law that expands the definition of what, um, in in many cases, law enforcement, but other people can do um, to determine whether someone can go under involuntary custody or conservatorship. Mm-hmm. So it expands that to include uh, substance abuse, I believe. And mm-hmm. this... This act had not been expanded for about 50 years. Mm -hmm. And so the state is trying to really overhaul that system. Mm -hmm. Um, And just, you know, based on what we see in our communities, right, we can understand certainly um, why the state officials are, you know, making these moves. Um, And so that's what it does. It, it, It SB 43 in its strict interpretation expands the definition. Mm hmm. Of what it is and who's eligible. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 
so the the county you guys decided um to hold off for a bit before implementing that law um what do you think are the things that you want to see yeah so again the SB 43 really just expanded the definition, did not provide resources. Mm-hmm. It, it, it did not do anything to allow the implementation to work in the way that people expect this law to work. Mm-hmm. And my concern is always because law enforcement is on the ground floor of these things and it would allow law enforcement and expand the definition so that peace officers could take folks to the emergency room if they uh, suspected mm-hmm. that this person was suffering from substance abuse or, you know, whatever the expanded definition mm-hmm. is. They're making the call there. Essentially on, uh-huh. on, on the ground, right? Yeah. Mostly law enforcement would make that call. Now there's other, there are other evaluations that would occur after a person is dropped off at the emergency room. Mm -hmm. But in my mind, that's what SB 43 essentially did. Mm -hmm. It it allowed for that expanded definition and it allowed for law enforcement to have more discretion. Mm -hmm. I, without having everything in place to deal with the impact of implementation, I, I, I don't think it, was a good idea to start in Jan- on January 1. Mm-hmm. So, and that's why I voted uh, to delay implementation. And and I, I really don't like the the term delay implementation because I, you know, in that very real sense of the word, I feel like implementation is creating a plan yeah. to um, <laughs> allow for the expanded definition to do what it was intended to do. Mm-hmm. But by the strict interpretation of the statute, that's all it that's what it calls implementation. It calls implementation expanding the definition. That is really it mm-hmm. outside of some other things that can happen in court. Right. Like yesterday it was this. Tomorrow it's, it's this. this. That's exactly that's it. This what is it your is. New reality. But this is where local government is so important. Get out and vote, everybody, <laughs> for, <laughs> for your local electors, because implementation is important. And what I don't want to do, and I said this in the dais, we, uh, the little bit of trust that we have with folks, mm-hmm. we don't want to squander that trust by promising that something like this will work and not having the system in place and the infrastructure in place to actually make it work. Because what we don't want to do is say, okay, we're going to implement. And then six months down the line, a year down the line, there's no change. And it's actually worse. Because when that happens, then the next solution we put on the table, people are not going to buy it. Yeah. And we're out of, I think we've you know, exhausted all of those um, solutions, right? We really, we have to dig in and solve a lot of these problems. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I voted the, the way that I did. But I also don't want, you know, it's a, it's a year, right? We, we have to show improvement within that year so that we're able to fully implement on January 1, 2025. Mm-hmm. So we also, with all of these overhauls, we also have to keep in mind that there's inherent bias in our systems. Yes. And that when we um, implement new laws, 
oftentimes people of color are the ones that bear the brunt of the loss, right? So we have to also ensure that we are, you know, um, making space for that conversation and bringing that to the solution table as well. Mm-hmm. But we can't just keep doing things without a full plan and expect them to work and us come back to people and say, now trust us with more. Mm-hmm. We can't keep doing that. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like there was a side of those who felt, and I think Mayor Todd Gloria was one of them, mm-hmm. who was saying, well, you kind of just have to do it now. And like that'll like light a fire under you to respond. And like the reaction sort of after the fact. You know, and I get it because... Oftentimes we delay and delay and delay Mm -hmm. as government entities as well. And so I I definitely understand that perspective. I think we needed a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. Give time to deal with the impact of the implementation of SB 43, but also don't drag our heels. Yeah. Right. This is law. The state passed. I, you know, I don't want to misspeak, but I think it was a unanimous vote, mm-hmm. right? It's an overhaul of an entire system. Um, so we need time, but we cannot drag our feet. Yeah. So I was, you know, trying to find a place where there's there still has to be urgency mm-hmm. and there is frustration because the perspective is there's no urgency, mm-hmm. but also we have to do these things right. Mm-hmm. In order to do them right, we have to think 20 steps ahead. And that requires some time. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit of both. I'm just trying to find that balance between the two, which is, by the way, I think what, you know, um, th- I will be doing that as a supervisor mm-hmm. quite a bit. Um, and I'm looking forward to that because now I can be on you know, have a little bit more say about implementation of what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doing it right, I think, and the trust that you mentioned. I've gone to plenty of community meetings where people do see this as a solution. Mm-hmm. And it's quite shocking sometimes to sit, you know, at um, community meetings and hear um, both community members and uh, representatives of different uh, elected officials offices mention like, oh, SB 43 or mention these like bigger, (laughs) bigger picture things that don't come with money as like solutions. You know, I went to a a meeting in City Heights and uh, the community members were all really upset about um, homeless encampments and they've met for a long time. And the amount of times that SB 43 was thrown in as like, Oh, oh, and care court too, you know, care court's coming in and and SB 43 and it's going to solve all our problems. Like it does create that idea or perspective in people's minds that this is going to be the solution. And if it's not, then that breaks that like breaks a lot of trust. And also I think pushes people into a lot of ideas that are the sunbreak ranches of the world. Um, Very true. So. It's my observation. Yes, and I agree <laughs> on the record. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, talk to me. What 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 else are you sort of looking forward to? Um, you had a big day um, on that day, but what are you know? What's the sort of kind of supervisor you want to be and do? So for the first couple months, I am really going to get to know the folks better that are carrying out these programs. Oftentimes, I think we. What I don't want to do is jump in to this, not understanding what has what is already being done. Um, I want to make sure that I am um, fully knowledgeable of all the work that is going on and to honor that work. Right. And supplement that work and not kind of come in and <laughs> um, change things I have no idea about. So I'm looking forward to, you know, and I said this first hundred days, what are you going to do? You know, I really need to um, do a sort of listening tour and get when I say we need to dive deep. Well, that's what we have to do. Mm -hmm. And um, that requires talking to people um, and also including community partners. um, And getting a grasp of where the gaps are. So when the plan is created, so we will, you know, address a plan specifically around housing, homelessness. I'm going to look into juvenile justice and um, foster care. There's so many things at the county that, that, that we can dive into, but um, that we'll have an entire range of ideas and an entire picture of the work. Um, so I'm going to go in the way that I always have. I'm going to try to be as thoughtful as possible. I'm going to and try to include as, in as many voices as possible to craft real solutions that then I can now see until the very, you know, see through until the very end, mm-hmm. which as a council member, I, didn't, I really did not have that luxury. Mm-hmm. So I certainly want to take advantage of that and do work on the front end so that the solutions we put on the table and begin to implement, you know, have, have we give them a fighting chance to work. Right. So going in, you know, and I've, I talked about it, my pillars of governance really didn't change. It's just the infrastructure has changed. Access to more services and resources for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that I'm really looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to being able to have a thoughtful process through these issues um, and continuing to bring community to the table because the solutions that so far that, that I've brought to the table have all been influenced by community members who are out every day. But there's also a piece of bureaucracy that, you know, ha- that expertise has to come to the table as well. So um, I, I think it'll be not fun, but it will be good. <laughs> it is time to examine our systems and to change them from the inside out so that long-term we are operating from a solutions-based mindset and not just, you know, what's the next best thing that I can kind of hop on, Mm -hmm. you know, to get some attention. I'm I'm not going to be doing that. Um, Was there anything you want to speak to that I didn't get to? There's an important race coming up for my vacant seat. <laughs> ah, yes, 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 yes. So I just want to put people on notice for that. Have um, you made an endorsement officially? 
Um, a lot of official things are happening this week, uh-huh. <laughs> but you know, my chief of staff is running, uh-huh. uh, fully supporting him, Henry Foster. Henry Foster. And so, you know, as, uh, we're both third generation, uh, San Diegans, uh, grew up in the district. So, um, it's going to be an interesting race, but fully supportive of Henry and what he can carry on in this transition in the office and just get provide the community with the, the confidence of that continuity of leadership. So mm-hmm. excited about it. It'll be an interesting race. I mean, yes. there's one, two, three, four, five, five yeah, candidates that, that we know so far. Yeah. That five them, papers. Yeah. Yes. And one of them um, is with the mayor's office. Mm-hmm. Do you think that race will come up to that interesting dynamic we talked about earlier of, the individuals who are willing to take authority and the individuals who are not. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I see it. I don't know. Yeah. um, I, again, I'm supporting Henry Foster. He's very strong. Mm -hmm. District four in the city has always had a strong voice. And if, if if the voice of district four is strong, then the voice of the council is strong. Mm -hmm. So, um, I know that to be true from, you know, being in these last five years and being in partnership with him in running the district, understanding the city uh, and understanding, you know, the challenge, challenging constantly. It just has to happen. Right. It just has to. Even when it's uncomfortable, mm-hmm. that challenge has to be there so that everyone gets what they deserve. And, um, you know, I think that he's the person that can do that. Mm-hmm. So we shall see how it turns out. Well, that was Supervisor Monica Montgomery Stepp. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate you taking the time. Always appreciate you. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Voice of San Diego podcast, the most popular public affairs podcast in San Diego. Join the Voice community today at bosd.org slash community. Any gift you make has a big impact on our organization and helps us continue to make this podcast, our newsletters, our events, and all the local coverage you value from Voice of San Diego. Again, that's vosd.org slash community. I'm Andrea Lopez Villafana, Managing Editor at Voice of San Diego. Nate John is our producer. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.